Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to head up on the Edup Experience podcast, where we make education your business. And we've continued to do that and will do that until the end of time, apparently, based on my schedule um, put together by the amazing and comparable Elvin Freitas, who keeps booking me out into 2023. Uh, well into 2023, you get to the second quarter uh, at this point, every single day, eating while podcasting. That's my job, although we're doing this one in the morning. Um, and guys, uh, the commencement, the beginning of a new era of higher education is literally weeks away as this recording is being recorded. Is the recording being recorded? No, as this podcast is being recorded, we're a couple weeks away from having the book out. Um, let me tell you guys how hard it is to pull 100 plus, actually, it's about 125 college and university presidents um, together and all the topics they talk about into a book, because what they've said is so, so, so many great quotes. It's the book is getting, you know, it was longer and we go back and edit it and we're like, Oh, what about this quote? What about that quote? Anyway, we hope you'll pick up a copy. Um, it is going to be an amazing read for you and, uh, and an easier read. It's not an academic book. It's a, just like the podcast, organic conversational. I think you'll enjoy reading it. So pick it up. I'm going to enjoy this podcast today. Um, a little bit of a bit, you know, you guys know I download uh, download sound effects for my guests. And then I, you wonder, I'm going to give you a little bit of behind the scenes look here. This is how I do it. I find stuff that I like that sounds good as a sound effect. And then I sat here for 15 minutes, just pressing sound effects back and forth to try to have a conversation um, with the actual sound effects. And this is, I'm going to give you guys, this is, this is literally what I do. Okay. So this is, what, let me make sure they're working here. Let me make sure. See, can you guys, uh, can you guys, can my guests hear this? Ah. All right. So I started doing this. Ah. Eh? What? Ah. Eh? What? And then so on and so on. And then I got this one in here. Ah. Ah. Eh? What? Ah. Ah. Eh? What? Yeah. The, anyway, that's how it works here at the Edip Experience. Maybe this is why you listen. Maybe this is why you don't listen. Anyway, let me get to the important stuff now. I did that for 15 minutes, guys, literally. Um, uh, but I did get uh, I, I did get it to actually sound like a conversation after a while. Let me end now talking and bring in my special guest co-host, Joe Linhart. He's Senior Account Executive of Higher Education Marketing and Advanced 360 Education, a very valuable and appreciated partner of the Edip Experience. Joe, what's going on? Man, another day in paradise. I'm excited to be here again, Joe. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, I'm going to record you saying stuff, Joe, and then I'm going to include those as sound bits to all my other stuff. I've decided that's what I'm going to do with my guest co-host now. Hey, uh, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll say you'll it. say something and I'll hit this button. Cluster. You know, so it'll just I'll put it all together um, and make, make music almost. Are you excited to be back, Joe? Always. Love doing this. It's a blast. All right, man. Well, we've got a great guest. We're going to talk... Um, marketing, enrollment, and data, something that you should love, something you should love if you're a higher ed administrator, actually faculty staff, you should love data because it tells a story. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen. He's Stephen Arthur. He's the director of data analytics at ECPI University. Stephen, what's going on? How are you doing? Nice to be here. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad you're here. 
uh, literally, is it uh, is it believable that I would spend 15 minutes hitting these sound effects to try to make uh, make something out of them? After hearing you talk about how excited you were to do it, yes. All right. <laughs> what? Anyway, you, you get the idea. String them together. Uh, it is a lot of fun to download those. It's more fun to talk with people like you, Stephen, doing the incredible work of serving students and most importantly, tracking many of the outcomes uh, that we have in higher ed and, and how things work. Just level set for us. Talk to us about ECPI University. What do you do? Where are you? How do you do it? Sure. So I like to think of ECPI University not as a technical college, but a technical university where, you know, we try to bring the, you know, the university aspect to a technical experience. So making sure that it's hands on career focused, you know, we're not going to teach you things that you're not going to need to know on the job. We always have, uh, you know, employers come in and tell us like what they want to see our students learn so that we know exactly what we should be teaching them. Um, you know, we're regionally accredited by SACS. Uh, we mostly 90% of our programs are either STEM or medical related. Uh, we have a little bit of on about a quarter of our students are online, three quarters are in seat. Um, the biggest thing about ECPI though, that is the most unique is that uh, we offer a full bachelor's degree in 2.5 years rather than the regular four full years. bachelor's degree in 2.5 years. Correct. 120 credit hours in two and a half years. All right. So let's talk about how we, let's talk about how we pull this off, right? How is this designed? Because right now somebody somewhere is going, you can't do that. How is it possible for you to do that? You, you know, blah, 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 accreditation, Carnegie unit, blah, blah, break schedules, blah, blah. Talk about how you pull this off. Sure. So the biggest problem with it is the financial aid side because, you know, financial aid is typically done on a semester basis. So we have to, you know, be very uh, careful about how we, you know, give out uh, our, uh, or um, handle all of our reporting on financial aid. And it can be a little complicated on that side, but the, the basis of it is we are year round. There's no breaks. You know, there's no summer break, no winter break. You just go, go, go. Ah. And, and we have, uh, rather than having three month semesters, we have five week terms. So students are taking two classes at a time every five weeks. Mm. And so you can imagine there's, uh, you know, 10 terms a year. That's, you know, two courses at a time or two courses, six credit hours at a time. You've taken 60 credit hours. Um, year. Mm. So did, it's pretty quick. Yeah. So I think, so um, as we look on how, how this works, and I'll pass it to you, Joe, here in a second, we're talking about some of the differences of, of standard term and non-standard term, which is an academic calendar and also financial aid packaging uh, a philosophy. Most uh, schools that you would think on a traditional system, and this is me just talking to the audience, when you operate in a semester based or trimester, you're packaging on a standard academic calendar year, and you think fall, spring, and then there's a summer intercession. What you're talking about, Stephen, and I believe is non-standard term when you're offering um, courses on a borrower, bar, I can never always say it right, borrower, borrower, I have trouble with that word, based academic year where the packaging follows the student, not the term, which allows you to look at different types of 
of non-standard term lengths. The Department of Ed um, defines non-standard term as not following standard term, which means you can have four week or five week or six week or seven week or seven and a half or seven and three quarters terms, depending on um, what you've designed from a curricular basis. Is that uh, is that all right or am I way off? Honestly, I am not a financial aid guy. That whole area is foreign to me. I just know I get insights to that side yeah. occasionally, and it's it just looks like a nightmare to try to figure out logistically. Yeah, and, it, and it, you know what's 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 um, awesome about it, though, is that it it follows the student, and so the term the packaging happens based on the term, not based on the academic year, which changes all sorts of things like refund policies and so on, but really good for the student because the student um, is being uh, awarded aid for the classes they're attending, not for the term that they may not have attended yet. Anyway, uh, we'll get out of the minutia of that, but what non-standard term allows you to do, to your point, is offer multiple terms at mul and have multiple entry points over the calendar year so you can have more start dates than what the traditional system knows as fall and spring, right? So you have more entry points and you have um, year-round enrollment, which means that you can cater to a student when the student is interested. And that's really part of the model, right? Is being there for the Exactly. Student. Yeah. So, you know, imagine you're 18, you're just graduating high school and you never really thought about college, but then all of a sudden, all of your friends in August, they're all leaving for college. And, you know, you're sitting there in September being like, all right, well, now what? Well, rather than waiting until the spring all the way in january you can go ahead and enroll with ecpi within five weeks right there in september or october and you know we talk about how you can get a bachelor degree in two and a half years well that doesn't even account for the wait time that you'd have to wait until classes even start so you know really if you compare the full length of time that you get a, a degree it's going to be even faster you know even up to several months faster just because you're starting quicker but then not only that, but if you look at the average time to completion, so not the theoretical, here's what you could do if everything goes perfectly, but we all know that it takes longer than four years for the average person to earn a bachelor's degree. At ECPI, our average is even, it's still less than three years. So, you know, it could, it could be half the time. And if you think about that in terms of, you know, the outcomes, this is something that's not really talked about either because it's hard to quantify, which is you are, you know, potentially, you know, we can't say it, you are going to be earning money, you know, after you graduate just because of, you know, regulations that we can't say that, but, you know, theoretically you can start earning money and go full-time in a job that much faster. And so rather than waiting, you know, another three years, two, three years until you can start earning money, you can get a head start on that. So if you take into account that whole range of issues, uh, that is why we are so good at serving adult learners. Because when you're in your you know, late 20s, early 30s, the average age of an ECPI student is about 30. Uh, you want to get going quickly. You don't have time to wait. You know, you're, you're already getting started later than the usual college students. So you know, it just is a perfect setup for them. I love it. Joe, uh, Joe, over to you. I, or else I'll keep going, man, because, you know, I'm this speed is just what I love talking about. Yeah, no, I get excited hearing about this topic because, you know, it's just a quick testimonial. You know, I was an adult learner as well, and I was fortunate many years ago to do five week courses. 
And man, when you got kids and sports and busy schedules and jobs, and it's really so much more beneficial to the adult learner. And now today, you know, I'm faculty at the University of Arizona Global Camp, uh, Campus teaching leadership. And we do five-week courses. And it is better for the faculty member too, you know? It is a great experience for everyone. It's even right. It gets them out in the workforce, gets them experience, gets them raises quicker, all of those things that many of us have talked about in admissions all these years. And I had on my list, Stephen, you and I have known each other for a while and we've done some work together and I've had high regard for ECPI for years. I've worked with you guys and know what you do and they do great work at ECPI. You know, they do it right. They've got people that have been there a long time. And so I guess I'm just curious for you to dive a little deeper into adult learners for us and just talk about how you serve adult students and some of your philosophy. Right. So again, imagine a typical semester schedule where you know, you are a student who was potentially failed by the current higher education system. You know, half of our students that come to UCPI have prior college experience and they didn't make it through. So this is a type of person that a traditional schedule didn't work for. And why would that be? Well, we found several reasons. Uh, one, when you're only focusing on two classes at a time, it's a lot easier to manage the logistics. When you're an adult, you have a lot of responsibilities, whether it's a family, a full-time job, uh, just life coming at you in all sorts of different ways. I mean, you just have so much more going on than an 18 year old. You need to be able to focus on, you know, as little as possible, two classes at a time rather than five or six. And I can speak from personal experience. Uh, I went to Virginia Tech for aerospace engineering those engineering classes are really hard and, you know, managing the logistics of five is, you know, pretty difficult too, but there's one summer that I took two classes in, you know, a faster period of time, very similar to ECPI's model where you take two classes at an accelerated pace. And I found it so much easier. It's just, I didn't have to worry about five classes of assignments a week. I just had to focus on, you know, two classes and it's just, it, that part can't be underestimated. Take into account also, if you are a adult learner and you know, you're trying, because you have so much going on, it's hard to get the positive feedback. Uh, you know, you go through a degree and you know, what is your positive feedback? You're earning credits. Well, that's not very tangible, right? It, it's hard to kind of get that sense. So the positive feedback is very limited in general across all of higher education. If you're trying to you know, get students to keep moving along. Well, at ECPI, you know, you're in there for five weeks and you're getting credits after five weeks. If you're at a traditional schedule, you have to wait three times that in order to start getting those credits. So it takes longer to even get that positive feedback loop. So there's that. And then there's the fact that we have a centralized curriculum development team that standardizes all of our courses across the entire university so that in Canvas, our um, LMS, every course has the exact same structure. You have, wow. you have, you know, and again, I have been at other institutions using Canvas and every single class had a different setup, a different layout. The syllabus is over here, the assignments are over here. It's completely different, every single class. and. That just adds even further confusion to trying to figure out where everything is so that you can manage the logistics of the class. Well, at UCPI, we have a centralized team that you know directs 
are subject matter experts when they're developing the, the course. So the subject matter expert, you know, the professor, the instructor, the program director, the dean, whoever it is that's making the class, they just provide the material. Our instructional team puts it into the right format so that in every single class, you know exactly where the syllabus is. You know exactly where the discussion posts are. You know exactly where the assignments, the quizzes. I mean, you know where everything is. And that just takes even more confusion out of you know going back to college. And lastly, um, when you're an adult learner, it can be taking breaks is difficult. Ah! When you go to a traditional scheduled class and you go through the fall semester and then you have a month off where you're doing nothing and then you come back for spring and then you have three months off in the summer and you're where you're doing nothing. And it's, it's hard to develop habits when your schedule is always changing like every three months. So at ECPI, you have the same schedule your entire time you're here. You get one week off in the summer, one week off during the, the holidays. And other than that, it's just, you just fall into a pattern. And so the, the whole point of all of this is that we make it consistent the entire time through. You don't have to worry about logistics nearly as much. We make it simple. Oh, and then on top of all of that, we schedule your classes for you so you don't have to register for classes. So <laughs> that people underestimate that as well. What? No ad drop? We don't have to go to a... You know, no ad drop. Line? Nope. Gosh, what a concept. You know what I think about when you're talking about, I think about sports. I'm a sports guy, Stephen, and I think about, you know, how we, we do preseason um, scheduling and we practice twice a day and all this to get ready for a season. Why? To get into a rhythm, right? And it's kind of right. the same thing, you know, students get into that rhythm of school and those habits and you're right to, to make it simplified and to erase those obstacles and those barriers in their way really in, improves retention. Um, oh, yeah. With that said, I'd like to just kind of quickly kind of transition a little bit here. You talked about a lot of the human factor here. One of the things that I've been so impressed with you and I, I find a lot of confidence in, in working with you is sort of your analytical mind and your, your passion for data. And I, I know there's a side of the business now that relies on that. And so I just wonder if you could speak to some of your projects and some of your philosophy on data as it relates to student success and, and, and really um, improving enrollment and maintaining the business. Right. So, you know, here at ECPI, we have kind of a different philosophy than a lot of colleges out there. And a lot of colleges will talk a big game, um, but they don't actually follow through. And one of the things that our president, Mark Dreyfus, has said, um, I've heard him say it multiple times to multiple groups of people, is we have a hierarchy of who is the most important. Number one is the students. Amazing. Number two are in our employers that hire our students. So we have a lot of partnerships in that regard. We do scholarships with them. We make sure that they're heard and we're listening to them when it comes to the curriculum and making sure that we can provide students to them that are valuable to them. Third are the faculty and fourth are the administration. And so many schools out there, it is completely flipped. <laughs> they care more about the faculty administration than they do about the students because you know a lot of them are research focused. They only uh -huh. care about instructors that pull in you know, grant money. 
they and teaching is kind of a secondary career. I mean, you, you know, a lot of they joke out there that a lot of colleges are like research institutions that happen to teach students. Yikes. Uh, another one is you know Harvard is a you know a hedge fund that happens to teach students. <laughs> so you know, at ECPI, it's completely flipped. Every literally every single employee here is told if there's a question about whether we should do something or not ask yourself, is it best for the student to do so? And then we'll do it. So I, I say all that in relation to my projects because one of my primary roles here is to try to predict students that are most at risk of dropping out. Because you know, again, a lot of colleges, they have weed out classes. They're, they're trying to get students to fail. And we're the opposite. We're trying to get them to succeed. And part of that is trying to figure out who those students are, like who are the ones that are most at risk. And so, uh, you know, I use uh, predictive analytics, um, you know, statistical modeling, um, you know, trying to bring in a lot more AI and neural networks to come in and try to help identify, you know, people that may not look like they're at risk, but are. Uh, you know, we're partnering with other companies to bring in some other data that, you know, for instance, that might tell us major life events that are happening in our students' lives, not, you know, invading their privacy and knowing exactly what those events are, but, you know, company, there's all sorts of, you know, creepy companies out there that track everything we do. And there's, uh, you know, some companies that can tell us that this person is having a major life event right now, maybe you should do some outreach to them, you know, and that would be, you know, they're getting divorced, they're moving, they lost their house, they got their car repossessed, you know, all a lot of publicly available stuff too. Uh, so we're partnering with companies that can do that sort of thing. And, you know, and again, we don't know what those life events are. We just get information from other companies that this person might be at risk, you know, check in on them. And so, you know, we have, so that's the main thing is, uh, you know, just trying to figure out what are the things that predict retention and, you know, a lot of people, I mean, it's obvious what a lot of those things are, right? They're not turning in their assignments. They're not showing up to class. Uh, their grades are low. Uh, but that's where the data comes in because those are the obvious ones. But what about the ones that aren't as obvious? You know, rather than just saying, okay, this guy has a low grade. Let's, you know, check him out. Uh, well, what if everyone in that class has a low grade and it's not that person's fault? Let's come up with another way and say, okay, well, what is this person's grade in relation to the rest of the class? Ah. So if they, if they have a lower grade than the rest of the class, then that's the problem. Not the fact they have a low grade in the first place, but that compared to everybody else, they seem to be struggling. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, Steve, I, I, I want to interrupt, uh, lightly and uh, politely interrupt you and, and ask, um, first of all, one of the things you said, I think um, we should point out a second time because it's what I think defines ECPI and, and other universities that when you're, when you're talking about retention, you're talking about... Um, you're talking about a, I don't know, a philosophical decision, which is, do we want to take risks and put a lot of effort 
into the back end of retaining students and running data analytics and trying to early identify them, but help them, help them in the first place? Or do you want to be a university that says, hey, the fastest way to, to better our outcomes and improve our retention statistics is to make it harder for students to get in in the first place. And, you know, we don't want to take a student that's got a, a below a 3.0 because they're just not going to move on. Or we don't want a student that's going to have this because we don't think they're going to they're, they're going to succeed. If you've been in this game long enough, you know that there is no magic pill. Being able to look at a student, their profile, their pay on paper and say, oh, this student's really going to do well and this student's not especially when you're dealing with adult students is just worthless. It's a worthless exercise because students yeah. that have, that have had, uh, and I've said this about myself, I had a two six in my undergrad and 10 years later, I went to a university and they said, Oh, your GPA is too low. And I said, see ya. I, right. Because I had 10 years of professional experience. And then I went to another university that said, Oh yeah, are you kidding me? Um, you're a VP of uh, in higher ed. You can come in right now. We'll take you in. We'll, and I wasn't even a, a high risk student. I, you know, so the right. point is, is who do you want to help? So that that you know, and are you willing to put in the back end services to retain these students? But once you do that and you create the analytics around it, how do you socialize? How do you get this data out? And in, in, in a way that's usable for the administrators, for the faculty, so that it's visible, usable, actionable, because that's always data gets stuck in certain places a lot of times. Sure. So let me touch on your first point. Uh, we do not let everybody in. Uh, we do have admissions tests, uh, you know, T's tests and others uh, where they have to meet a certain threshold because, like you said, you know, it's we want everybody to succeed. But if we see that you are very unlikely to graduate, we don't want to saddle you with a lot of debt and have nothing to show for it. You know, having colleges weed out students and making it harder for them because they want the people that do graduate to be able to pull in higher earnings, higher salaries for their you know rankings in you know the New York Times or wherever. You know, that that's not us. You know, but we want to make sure that you're you taking calculated risks which is what I love yes. seeing. You can look at students and say, we think this student's going to be successful. Maybe they don't meet all the requirements, but we're going to take a chance on them. And we're going to watch them and we're going to watch and them through data. Exactly. And not only that, but when they take their first five week courses, their first two classes, if they don't finish that class, we don't charge them anything. If they back out and they didn't get the credit, we're just not going to you know, make that student even be saddled with that. So it's almost like a free trial, kind of. I love it. Uh, we don't market that, though, because, you know, if, if we had a, a, a free trial, then everybody would want to come in and just take up a bunch of time and then not, you know, just be a waste of everybody's time. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, we, we just make sure that the students that do come to us are likely to succeed. And those that do want to continue, we try to give them as much support as possible. So you ask what we do with it. Once we know, you know, is this student at risk or not? What do we do with that? Well, we have uh, a bunch, a lot of academic advisors, student success coordinators, um, sometimes even the, the program director at a, for a particular program will step in and help a lot. Our campus presidents are very hands-on. Uh, we just have an entire culture of like making sure that you help the student and all of our faculty. I mean, I have access to our faculty, uh, you know, uh, you know, course evaluations, 
And the comments you see from our students talking about the faculty are just absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, and it's almost probably half of the people that fill out these course evaluations say something about how great the instructor was. Wonderful. I mean, it, it truly is amazing. Um, so, you know, once we identify those students at risk, we make sure that our student success coordinators know that list of students so that they can reach out by phone, by text, by Teams, by Canvas. And we even make sure that, uh, and we have not only that, but we have another uh, system built into Canvas. Um, you know, some people might be aware of it, Dropout Detective where it identifies students that are at risk based off of their Canvas activity, whether they're turning in assignments, how often they're logged into the, to the LMS, um, that sort of thing, and identifies a rank order of students that might be at risk too. And that lets the instructor know, like to, to reach out. And you know, a lot of times instructors do know already which students might be the, the least motivated or not turning assignments or not putting in their best effort. You know, I've, I've taught a, a class or two here at ECPI. I just started another one this week. Um, so I, I see firsthand all of the all of the things that our instructors have access to. And, and just by the way, a little aside here about our instructor and what we require of them. I, I've been working at ECPI for pretty much my whole career. And it was not until I started teaching my first course that I realized how much we require our instructors to do. It, it is quite phenomenal. <laughs> uh, and you know, we even make sure that we have you know our program directors or you know senior faculty follow new instructors. So I had somebody shadowing me in in the class and making sure that I was okay and you know helping with the logistics and you know posting attendance and all that sort of thing. So you know, just a little aside there, we require instructors to do quite a bit, and that's what's required to teach adult students. That's right. Like they they need a lot of help. You know, one one of the things, Joe, and you know this, you've been around a long time. I, and one of the things that Stephen's talking about is the scheduling, scheduling classes for the student, right? Especially when we're dealing with an adult student. If you go to In-N-Out Burger, one of my favorite places in, in one, when you're in California, it's a very easy menu to understand. One, two, three, or four. And there might be a secret menu, and I've brought this up before. But you know it's there's not a ton of choices. You walk in, you order, you walk out. So for the adult student to know what's in your future, it also gives you ability to control the courses. You don't want to dump a student, you know, into a statistics course as their first course with the university, because you know that students, adult students that have years between their undergrad and grad or, or the, from high school to grad are going to go, this is too hard and drop out. And that's one thing, one of the things I noticed from traditional higher ed to, to um, the non serving the non-traditional student for career colleges and technical colleges is they're very aware of what is being offered and when you've seen that for a long time, haven't you, Joe? Absolutely, uh, for sure. And, you know, we talk about value in some of these podcasts, you know, and you continue to have to offer more of those services and more of that value uh, to the student. And I think sometimes universities um, don't get the credit that's due. You know, I'll give you an example. You know, again, I teach a business course uh, myself online. And one of the things I was going to ask Stephen, just a quick one here, Stephen, was when you think about services uh, like a writing center. For example, you know, when I came into college, I couldn't write. I mean, I had it up here, but I, you know, I couldn't put it on paper the way Holy that I crap. would have liked to, right? And I learned more probably about writing 
uh, in college than I did anything else, you know, and today right. I really am passionate about driving students to a writing center or to turn it in or to whatever software services that we offer. How about you guys? What kind of services are out there beyond just the faculty and the advisors? Yeah, so, you know, we have writing centers, uh, we have math math tutoring centers, we have free tutoring where, you know, we can, uh, and it, it's all completely available. Anyone can, any one of our students can access it, get help. Um, they can just get with their instructor and get a bunch of help. Like all of our instructors are very, very willing to put in extra time to help individual students. Um, something, you know, speaking of that, just something else that I have found just for everybody out there to help their students uh, succeed better in writing is there was one student that I had that he just had like, to, you know, in all, you know, not to be offensive or anything, but it was the worst writing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was like run on sentences. It was like five sentences in a row with no punctuation. It was hard to tell like, what he was trying to convey and something that helped him immediately was I told him to go download Grammarly, yeah. just the free version of Grammarly. And as soon as he, the very next assignment, that next paper that he turned in, it was like night and day. It, it was actually well-written. And the great thing about Grammarly is, is you write out what you want first, and then it tells you like, here's something you might want to think about changing. And then they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then, so you get that feedback immediately as soon as you're writing and then you just start incorporating those things that you're learning over time and as you write more and more and more and get that feedback um, I've actually just started using the premium version of Grammarly and it's fantastic like Absolutely. it's actually I, I feel like I am a fairly decent writer um, you know I I'm obviously being a data guy I'm all about math but turns out most of my scores on like SATs and when I took the GMAT my reading and writing scores were higher than my math scores surprisingly to me, um, but it just finds the, the tiniest little grammar things that can help you a lot. So I have started recommending Grammarly to every one of my students and it helps their writing a ton. You know, you know what it is, when I was in my doctoral, that was the first thing that my first professor told me to get Grammarly. And I remember, I remember one of the things that would come up was a, this is a tautology, which is like a circular a group of words that take you in the circular way. And I'm like, what the heck is it? What, what is right. this? And so it will nail you no matter how good of a writer you think you are. It will get you. Yeah. It's a huge help. And you still have to proofread. You do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Read it out loud to yourself. In front, you know what I mean? That's that's it. Read it in front of a mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, really quick. I wanted to ask you a really quick fun one out. You know, I don't want our time to run out without asking. We actually at Advanced 360 Education, we partner with ECPI and do some work with them and really uh, proud to do that. But one of the things we've never talked about, Stephen, is esports. And I just had to ask you about it because I'm seeing it all over the place. You guys seem to win a lot. And I just thought it would be cool to bring those guys up on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, gosh, we started our esports program probably. I don't even know how long it is anymore. Years ago, four or five years ago, um, it was me and primarily uh, Michael Glover, uh, who is, uh, you know, the unofficial athletic director of esports. <laughs> but, you know, he works full time in another position here at ECPI too. Um, but it's just a fun thing. We have a head coach that, um, you know, we have dozens of students. Um, you know, at times we've had 100 
or so students that compete in all the various uh, you know gaming titles like League of Legends, uh, Call Epic. of Duty, Epic. Um, Rocket League is a big one. Epic. We have a lot of really like high tier like some of the best in the country players in Rocket League. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it it's it kind thing. of took off, you know. And you can we started doing a uh, streaming the games, our matches. You know, we'll stream them on Twitch.tv. Um, yeah, it's been a, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I had to bring that up, Joe. It it, it makes them a little that's different awesome. and really kind of got some cool factor there. It's got some yeah. factor, and there's a whole ecosystem around esports. And um, mm -hmm. someone told me, you know, who it, I think if it was. Um, Bracken Darrell, when I had him on the CEO of Logitech, that said that the esports championship or some some championship for esports is larger than the Super Bowl, but it gets more more uh, people attend. Viewer hours. What's that? Viewer hours total amount of people watching it over right. time. The number of viewer hours is higher for viewer the. Hours, yeah. so, but I think that was for the whole tournament comparing it to a single Super Bowl game. So yeah, you know it's a it's little, it's but growing, but it's still amazing. Yeah. Growing. Yeah, I mean that the point is that esports is, I think it's still at its infancy, and so the fact that you're ahead of it, it's also a great recruiting tool. It's a uh, uh, you also bring in new technologies, and you're aware of different things happening. There's so much to learn, in for higher ed from video games, from the learning ecosystem and community that's created from esports. Yeah, that's just my opinion. Yeah, we, we built a, a several arenas at many of our campuses where, you know, in our campus, our main campus in Virginia Beach, we have a giant wall with a whole like mural with the, the ECPI RAM logo. Um, you know, I really like the RAM uh, mascot because, you know, we're primarily a technology school, you know, network security, computer information science. And so RAM, you know, random access memory as a, yeah. as a mascot, <laughs> but it's a, you know, an actual RAM for it. <laughs> Love it. Well, well, we'll we'll close this episode out, Stephen. Joe, you have any others you want to slide in before I give them the final two questions? It just it's just maybe a really quick comment, um, Stephen, because I try to do this on these podcasts. I, I'm just have a strong um, feeling for military students and our veterans, and I know that ECPI has always had a commitment to our military students. And do you want to just touch on that really quick? Absolutely. Uh, we've had uh, over a th I think. Uh, Gosh, some of our campuses have, you know, upwards of eighty percent of our students are, you know, veterans. Um, I think our average is somewhere around. I, I can never remember the exact number. It depends on what you mean, graduates or students. But around twenty percent, you know, a very large percentage of our students are military. Um, and our schedule, again, for adult, most veterans are adult learners. Uh, because you know you had to serve in the military, and you know by the time you get out, you're going to be in your late twenties early thirties. And you know, our schedule again is perfect for that sort of transition period where you, you just get, you get a very structured set of courses and, you know, assignments and you just sit down and do it. Um, so we do very well on that. Um, yeah. I mean, the military times has rated us as the number one technical uh, college in the country, like eight or nine times in the last decade. Uh, we're consistently in that, top either one position or at least the top 10. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. So yeah, we have a huge dedication to our, our veteran and military students. Amazing. I love, yeah. I love those that serve the military. Same. 
so Stephen, let's close it out, my friend. We're going to ask you the two final questions we ask of every guest. Number one, what did we not say about ECPI University? Anything that you'd like to say, things coming up, new programs you're launching, anything at all that you can think of uh, or want to add? And number two, what do you see? What do you see as the future of higher education? Sure. So really, the, the biggest thing that I would like to say is uh, we have such tremendous success with all of our STEM and nursing students. Uh, ECPI is actually the number one graduator of practical nursing students, number one in the country for the number of PNs. Um, you know, it's like one in every 60 PNs in the country come from ECPI. Um, and on the East Coast, I mean, you know, we're talking a lot, because yeah. that's where primarily our practical nursing students are. Um, you know, we have the 14th highest in CIS undergraduate degrees in the country, number two for African-American and black students uh, going into the tech fields. That's, you know, cybersecurity, uh, computer science, computer information science, all of those types of, of programs. So, yeah, I mean, we have had tremendous success. We don't see that stopping anytime soon. And yeah, um, as far as the future of higher education, uh, I think there's two interpretations to that question. Uh, there's the first one, which is, you know, where do we see, you know, enrollment going, whether it's towards specific programs, certain institutions, uh, just in general, are more students going to get degrees or not? I think that might stagnate a bit. We've seen that already happen uh, just because of uh, mostly probably because of the cost. You know, it's kind of been a, a lot in the news lately about the cost of tuition. Um, and it's really not that hard to deliver a cost effective program. So I think a lot of those colleges that are charging, you know, 40, 50, $60,000 a year, uh, they have to be held accountable for that because they're charging that for, um, you know, liberal arts degrees and psychology undergraduate degrees, biology undergraduate degrees, dance studies, um, you know, all of those degrees that uh, just from the data, again, I'm a data guy, you and the Department of Education publishes the salaries of those programs at every institution. I mean, it's just immoral to charge that much for a degree that has that poor outcomes. So that, uh, I feel like that'll be reined in quite a bit. Um, as far as the future of delivery of education, um, I think that's going to change a lot. You know, online has been, especially during COVID, took on a lot bigger of an emphasis, um, better technologies to, to deliver it. Um, I think a lot of colleges don't really understand how to do that too, because they think, oh, we'll just, you know, put all of our lectures in a video and make the students watch the video and then take the quiz. And that's just, that's just not how you do it. Um, or they think, oh, we'll just make sure that they come on to a synchronous lecture and then that'll do it. Um, but it takes a lot more than that. And the future of higher education will probably be um, just more engagement online, uh, more engagement in the in-seat. Um, you know, focus towards career education too. You know, in the whole history of higher education and in on in the world, it originally started as just something that you do to learn. Uh, but over time, it has started to morph into something where you know, well, it's you need to get something out of it that you can apply right now as a marketable skill. Uh, so the transition towards career colleges, I, I hope, will take place, and you know, towards the trades and towards these high demand degrees. Love it. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, I always love talking about adult students and those who serve them and do it in unique ways. I love the five-week terms. Um, you break brains when you talk about eliminating break schedules in traditional higher ed. It's an unbelievable thing, I uh, promise you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my guest co-host first, he's Joe Linhart. He's Senior Account Executive for Higher Education Marketing and Advanced 360 Education. Joe, thanks for coming back, man. And I always love having you here. You know that. We've known each other for like, what, almost 20 years. Yeah, it's been amazing. And we both come from career education and That's right. I know we're both passionate about it. And um, I will say in wrapping this up and agree to agree with Stephen, um, I believe culture of higher ed is pushing students back to career education and the, the best times are yet to come for that sector. And so the opportunities in front of those schools. Well, we'll be watching close and one of those people will be watching very closely is Stephen Arthur. He's my guest today. Your guest today. He's director of data analytics at ECPI University. Stephen, did you have a good EDIP experience today on the podcast? Absolutely. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You've just ed upped. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freites is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing.